Okay, hello everyone and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson and joining me today is Peter Wesley Salmon. Hope you all are doing, I was about to say down in Guelph, but you know what? I'm in Guelph, so <laughs> I hope we're all doing great here in Guelph and I know I am, so I hope it's the same for y'all. The good old... Royal City. Honestly, it feels more royal here. It's smaller than Ottawa, but I just feel more, it's just more monarch vibes. And I'm okay with that. I'm enjoying you feel, it. You feel better than everyone else. I'm in. feeling royal. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Cool. The, the, <laughs> the branding works. Mm-hmm. What's Ottawa's nickname, by the way? Close to Royal City, but what is Ottawa? Uh, I, I think just the capital city. Okay. I, well, I, yeah, I don't know. That's... That's kind of lame, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's not lame. I mean, it is the capital, but what are you going to do? All right. Oh, no. Dr. The official motto is Advance Ottawa on Avant. Uh-huh. So, advanced in like Latin. <laughs> wow. That's very pretentious. <laughs> it is pretentious. It's a good thing we're reviewing a Broken Lizard movie this week to dumb us down some more anyway. Exactly. <laughs> And Grants is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new medieval comedy from Broken Lizard, Quasi. Or is it Quasi? I keep saying Quasi. 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 <laughs> Quasi. Potato, potato, potato. Quasi. Yeah. <laughs> which you can now stream on Disney+. Plus. See, reading it, it looks like Quasi, but they say mm-hmm. Quasi all through the movie because it's short yeah, just motto. Yeah, so just say Quasimodo in your head, but don't say the motto part, uh, moto part out loud. Okay, well, that'll come in handy for later. Uh, for the first half of the show, uh, we're going to draft again. Um, we've done a draft with, uh, with Tim, we've done a draft with Candice, and we're going to do a draft with Peter now. And because we're, this is going to air on April the 26th, so it's our last April episode. Next week uh, is May. And May is traditionally, unofficially, the beginning of summer, at least for movies. So the the summer movie season officially, unofficially kicks off on the first weekend in May. This has kind of been the the way this has gone for years. And it's traditionally, over the last couple of decades, been like a Marvel movie. And it is so again. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes out next week on uh to to usher in summer movie season so the goal of this draft is a draft of summer movies we're not just talking about our most anticipated summer movies but that may come into it but we have created a slate peter and i of our draftable summer movies in in five categories so the the movies fit in one of five categories we have comedy we have drama and those two should be fairly obvious. Franchise, so this could be like one of your Marvel movies, or it could be a sequel, or it could be something like Barbie, which you know kind of has a franchise feel. Hopefully, they want to create Barbie sequels, and it plays into this ginormous toy universe of Barbie movies. Uh, and then the fourth category is action horror, which not a lot of crossover, but <laughs> uh that's one of the other categories we've chosen. And the fifth and final category, of course, is wild card. So any movie from any other the categories or any category that's not mentioned can just fit into wild card easily enough. So uh, 
that's that's the way we're going to swing by the end of this. We're each going to have a list of five, a comedy, a drama, a franchise, an action horror, and a wild card. And of course, the rule is once someone takes a movie off the board, the other mm-hmm. person cannot get that movie. Uh, it's completely random. We can start wherever we want. If Peter wants to draft his comedy first, that's fine. If I want to draft my action horror first, that's fine. And so there we have it. We will have a distinct list of 10 highly anticipated summer movies. Uh, will any of these be box office winners? Were we going to talk about these about the end of the summer? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But now we're going to draft. Peter, you are clear on the rules, yes? Yes. Okay. So yes, by virtue. So by, yeah. I appreciate the sir. Ah, by hmm. virtue of coin toss, <laughs> uh, Peter, why don't you start us off with uh, your first category and your first pick? Yeah. So my first category is comedy, uh-huh. and I picked. Uh, there's so many other franchise films that I actually picked one you already mentioned, a uh, little film upcoming called Barbie. Okay. Um, and you know, from the commercials. Uh, I always took it as it'd be more of a almost kind of biopic, maybe drama, dramedy. But apparently, <laughs> it's going to be a direct comedy, and and the most recent trailer was uh, quite comedic. And it's just <laughs> I, I just just looking at Michael Sarah as Alan, you know, the little Ken Bestie that lasted for about three years back in the nineties. Just just looking at him <laughs> as that, and that being a character made me laugh. Like it's just. <laughs> It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a cool mixture of um, a, a compliment at the Barbie world in the sense of like how strong, how big it is, how much it's spread. Uh, but then, you know, like a tease of it kind of, you know, um, more or less gender equality kind of mindset they used to have, but how it is changing and how that can be shown through Barbie. Like there's a t- there's Dr. Barbie, writer Barbie, lawyer Barbie, right? right? Mm-hmm. And they're all played by someone, you know, like a, different different race different sexuality whatever just a bunch of different people you know and i'm excited for that in barbie um (laughs) and uh i think i know a lot of people are complaining i think ryan gosling's perfect as ken i i look at him and i think i think of a ken you know so i uh i'm excited for that um uh dominantly though like i said michael sarah i i think alan will be a really funny uh look look it's uh just who Alan is. I, my theory is, and I think a lot of people think this because uh, he was on the packaging. Alan was listed as uh, Ken's quote best bud end quote. So I think he's. I think his character is going to be gay, and I think that'll be oh. a lot of fun. And there'll be a lot you can do with that. Um, although I think he's also Alan's married, but it, they could mm. do it kind of like uh, you know maybe she's gay too, and uh, you know they married for each other to kind of you know hide that or so. I don't know. I think there's just a lot. Of really important <laughs> themes they could bring about through Alan. Um, mm-hmm. uh, all my only hesitance towards it is in the trailer. It seemed as if they leave the Barbie world, go into mm-hmm. the real world. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know how that'll play out. I'm more looking forward to just seeing the Barbie world and them all having a fun time. Um, I worry a bit because it's Bombach and Gerwig. It might become a little too preachy or maybe more so kind of artsy pretentious when they get out of the barbie world um but who knows you know i'm just being i guess a a pessimist regarding that um but from what i've seen from the trailer and even if it's just what's set in the barbie world i think it'll be a lot of fun i think it'll get good uh good reviews too um 
I have a theory it's going to beat out Oppenheimer. I think it'll do a pitch better than Oppenheimer. I know a lot of people love Christopher Nolan, um, but Oppenheimer, it's focused on something so dark. Uh, I don't I don't think the audience attendance will be as wide as for Barbie, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Barbie. I, I also just love all the other, bar- like I love Issa Rae. She's phenomenal. Emma Mackey. Uh, I don't like Dua Lipa, but I'm kind of glad she's going to act in. <laughs> Because uh, it means less, uh, less of her music. Um, I, I also I want to note I love current like pop, electronic, or whatever. So it's not like a I hate the new music. I just I don't like Dooley, but I'm not I'm not a fan. I know this is it's too crisp, it's too clean. It's not my scene. Um. So yeah. Uh. So yeah. You know what? I'm thrilled Dooley will be in this because I'm excited to see her acting, and I hope it's great. And she uh sticks more so to that. Well, that was an interesting turn. Um, okay, Barbie's off the board. Uh, what do I want to do first? Hmm. I want to do my action horror, um, because uh, this is probably probably the one I'm most excited about this summer, just in terms of like popcorn action. Uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Um, mm. uh, I, I think after you know, last summer, Top Gun, you know, Tom Cruise. Yeah, Bruce, how great it was. Yeah, it, it is surprisingly great, Top Gun. Uh, it, it's predictable as all get out. But also following, like, I was a bit hesitant on Mission Impossible Fallout because I just thought, like, can like Rogue, Rogue Nation was good. And I just thought I, I had kind of like uh, Spectre vibes where... Yeah, no, but, but I, I'm telling you, I, I had Spectre vibes before that because I was like, <laughs> the same creative team coming back after catching catching lightning in a bottle with one outing and then coming back for a second outing, there's no way they can top Rogue Nation. And I was wrong. Yeah. Well, it's better. <laughs> so now I'm going, now I'm putting all my chips on Macquarie and Cruz and it's part one. So like, is it going to end at a cliffhanger or... Like what's going on, and like the cast additions in this, uh, Haley Atwell, um, who's great in action, as we know, Agent Carter, um, Palm Kleberoff uh, from Guardians again, uh, Isai Morales is the bad guy. He's a, a very interesting character actor, um, and then they're bringing back Henry Cherney as uh, Kittredge from Part One. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> it's wild. It's from Part Seven, and we're bringing back the guy from Part One in 1996. Um, and then he's, he gets his prominent placement in the trailer too. So like the stunts look rad. Um, you know, uh, there's this leap off, a off a cliff with a motorcycle a train going off a bridge to nowhere. You have Haley Atwell and Tom Cruise handcuffed together driving through London. Uh, I don't even know what the plot is, but I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't need to, you don't need to know the plot. No, you just need to go along for the ride. It's dead reckoning, and yeah. and a bunch of stuff is happening, and uh, I, yeah, so you know, mission, uh, mission accepted, uh, uh, July, July something. I think it comes out at the beginning of yes, July fourteenth, one week before Barbie. So uh, you know, live on the edge of your seat with Mission Impossible, and then go back the next Friday for Barbie. I guess. Uh, that's crazy. It's going to be in theaters the same time as Barbie and Oppenheimer. It's going to be mm-hmm. a good, good, good couple of weeks there. Well, oh, hopefully, yeah. it could be a horrendous couple of weeks. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be bad. But. This, yeah. Uh, if if we come out of the end of July just like being down on movies, that's going to be a very sad state of affairs. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Uh, your next pick. All right. So I went with franchise next, and okay. it's not a franchise I love, okay. but it's uh, I believe the conclusionary one. Uh, so I'm including Fast X. Um, and yeah, I know everybody hated F9. It was uh, absolutely uh, horrendous. Uh, <laughs> it really was. So I am really hoping that FX or sorry, Fast X makes up for that. Um, and I just checked, and Fast X is not the last; it is the <laughs> second last. So <laughs> Deepers Creepers, that's an issue. Eleven, that's just too much. That is just too much. Um, I'm still excited for it though because it's the first in a bit where she's been in the majority. But um, the last couple with Michelle Rodriguez, she's been kind of evil and just a really lame, uh, mm. a really really lame. Um, direction they put her character in but uh i think hobbs and shaw kind of fixed that a bit so i'm excited to see michelle rodriguez character back in her own kind of you know she's not nice but she's like a mean good person (laughs) a strong good person not a strong bad person Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah i'm excited for that i swear though i thought this was the last i was more excited because then she'd be able to do more she was so great in dungeons and dragons you know she's great she's top and I, i want her to do more you know so yeah but penultimate is still that means it's close that means it's close so it's close to finishing i hope they learn from their mistakes in f9 and make up for it the biggest issue with f9 is Mm -hmm. there's literally a scene in space they went out of their way paid money made a scene in space (laughs) the crap scene it's not good the film is awful like that's just and knowing how much they put into that that just makes it even more sad Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope they make up for that with some great special, uh, not special effects, some great stunts in this one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on that, on par with that, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, that the whole film all around is better. Yeah. With you about fast nine, I am nervous because Justin Lin was coming back for fast X and then he was gone and replaced with, uh, Louis Leternier, who is a perfectly fine journeyman director, but uh, like Justin Lin really made this franchise what it is. And it's, it's sad that, you know, he obviously couldn't see himself having a place in, in the franchise. Do you know uh, what though? Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, I was not aware. I thought it was still the same director as the ones prior. <laughs> uh, Louis uh, Leterrier. Um, I don't know if he's, that's how I think uh, Leterrier. Uh, he made Grimsby, the Sasha Baron Cohen comedy, which I think is underrated. So you know what? I take back my negative comments. I think Fast X is going to be superb. <laughs> I think it's going to have some actual, you know, comedic elements in it. It's going to be great. Gonna well, be great. He, he did also make the Transporter movies, so it's. I mean, it's so so like car action is not Di- um, diverse when it comes to uh, genres. So you know, true enough. He made Now You See Me, and Now You See Me is whatever. So. All right, I'm going to go to my drama. I'm taking Oppenheimer. This. I'm taking Oppenheimer off the table. I think this is going to be the drama of summer. Um, yeah, it's going to be dark because it's about the making of the atomic bomb. You watch that trailer. It is dark, dark AF. Um, <laughs> you know, the whole the whole centerpiece is this line that Oppenheimer says. It's like they 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 won't know it uh, until that they use it, uh, which you know is is dark. <laughs> you, realize he was essentially right uh everyone was working on an atomic bomb and uh, everyone was pretty ginned up about it everyone was psyched about it and then they used it 
Um, and, you know, if you hear the stories about when they detonated the first atomic bomb, you know, a lot of people were surprised just how powerful it was mm -hmm. um, to the point of like, I guess, like essentially being frightened. And, you know, when you factor in and I don't know how much in the movie will go into this because I'm not exactly sure. I don't think we're, any of us are exactly sure just how um, how, how much of Robert Oppenheimer's life is going to cover. But, you know, half of the Manhattan Project went on to become anti-nuke activists. So. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's going to be dark. I I'm very interested in what Nolan does with this. This is kind of like a very like in in terms of like uh, a narrative. This is like the most straightforward drama he has done probably since Insomnia. And on top of that, too, you have all this like scuttlebutt about how he you know created uh essentially a nuclear level explosion without the nuclear um <laughs> to do to do the uh atomic bomb test in camera so um that money's going to be out right on screen so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i think i think it's going to be tough to find um you know something as kind of impactful just like on a on a like a narrative level like yeah it's summer and we get a lot of fun movies but you know just the sort of like something a little more serious something a little more grounded i think we're going to be talking about oppenheimer uh around oscar time um unless you know nolan has completely you know crapped the bed but i don't think so we'll no it'll be great I, it won't have any of the division that uh tenet did you know because it's not yes. it, it's it's a biopic it's not going to be yes. uh yeah it's not gonna it's be a, any... yeah yeah it's a return to basics it's like it's it's going back to first principles so i think I think it'll be interesting. All right, let's get to your next pick. All right, so I went next with action. Okay. And the action film I picked is, because we actually reviewed the second one, I believe, uh, The Equalizer 3. I, okay. uh, I'm not a huge action guy, but I am a huge Denzel Washington fan. I love that guy. Uh, Lady Macbeth, superb. You know, I love it all. Um, so I'm excited for it. Uh, it's it's strange because I don't like action, but that makes it so when I do like an action film, I viewed it's even more uh, outstanding. You know, the feeling I have towards it. So mm -hmm. I'm excited for I'm excited for some more Equalizer. It's literally just him going about beating people up, uh, <laughs> but for so, but for kind of good things. You know what I mean? It's funny because I I am not I am not like pro capital punishment. You know, I'm not pro that. But you're I'm pro more beating okay, people I'm, up. I'm more okay with exactly. I'm I'm okay with beating <laughs> it up, and I'm more okay with it if it's for personal reasons, you know, not some black and white, you know, judicial system. Right. Uh, uh, so yeah, I just could see Denzel Washington, Robert McCall, uh beating people up. Uh, I'm also excited at uh, Dakota Fanning. I think she's a really great actress, and it'll be good to see her um, in just kind of a heavy action film. I haven't, you know, I'm I'm more like you know I am Sam kind of guy when regarding the Fannings I've viewed. So it'll be cool seeing her in an action. Um, I think she's. I'm not who she is. Uh, who sure who she? Uh, yeah, is. I don't know anything Maybe, about it. Possibly like daughter or something, like half or adoptive or something. That'd be cool. Um, other than that, there's not really any information about it. It's just going to be like the other ones. Uh, you know, former uh, DIA officer doing his own biz. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's September first. or no competition with any of the others, and I, I think it'll do good. The last one I think was like a surprising hundred million. So. Yeah, yeah, they're I got, solid. I got, they're I got solid good hope. Movies. I got good hope for it. Yeah, um, same uh, same director too as the other ones, which I always like. Mm hmm. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Anton Fuqua is back uh, as well. 
yeah, they're solid. In, they're, they're solid action movies. They're kind of solid dad movies, which I well, I, for me too. I also as a kid, I I know like the reviews and everything weren't great, but I really did myself uh like Clive Owen. I enjoyed King Arthur, so it's good to see. Like I don't know how that was what two thousand four. So it's good to see almost twenty years later that he's still a successful director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Gonna... Good on you, Antoine Fuqua. I'm gonna watch Equalizer three twice, <laughs> and I hope it all does well. <laughs> Well, that does sound like a Labor Day weekend. Um, I'm going to take my comedy off the board. Uh, it, I'm going to go with Joyride, which is from Adele Lim, who is the co-writer of Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, this one's co-produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. So uh, these guys know funny kind of coming-of-age comedy. Although I, I don't, I think the the characters in this movie are... They're a little older than high school age. Um, I think they're college age. Um, But it's about four young people who go to China to find uh, the birth mother of Audrey, who is uh, adopted by two uh, white American parents. And uh, Audrey goes to China with her friend Lolo. Um, I think it's her cousin Kat, who's played by Academy Award nominee Stephanie Zhu. And uh, their cousin Deadeye. Uh, presumably that's a nickname, um, <laughs> but it is. Uh, you watch the trailer; it is uh, clearly um, leaning on the offensive comedy. It it has that kind of super bad feel, which is appropriate. Rogan and Goldberg wrote super bad. Uh, set in China, although uh, it is Asian American actors, they uh, get to be as offensive as they want to be, and. Uh, and we're going to be here for it, including a, a rather prolonged sequence involving not wanting to get caught with drugs in China uh, while on a high-speed train. That looks like a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it, it's it, it reminded me a lot of Blockers, um, at least in in sort of the, uh, the the couple of trailers I've seen so far. Is you know raunchy comedy involving young women. And it got really good reviews coming out of South by Southwest. So uh, I'm 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 down to see this. I love Booksmart. Booksmart was such a fun comedy. It was. It was. Yeah. So it seems like uh, kind of in similar uh, company, uh, maybe even a little bit raunchier, um, which uh, I'm looking forward to. So uh, my comedy pick is Joyride, and uh, we'll see. I think that's another July release. If I yep, July the seventh. So there you go. All right. To recap. Uh, still on the board for me. I have to make my franchise and my wild card. And Peter, you still need a wild card and you need a drama. So where are yes. you going next? All right. So for later this year, my drama is mm-hmm. uh, the upcoming Napoleon. Um, a historical drama. Is that um, summer? Uh no, it's no, no. It's after the summer. I Got thought it. we were just doing twenty twenty three, but no, um, we're doing summer. The summer, oh, okay. Then um, <laughs> I will go first things first. Then with uh, the wild card, which mm-hmm. is a sports film. Oh, I am kind of excited for White Man Can't Jump. I uh, oh. really enjoy the original. I think uh, Woody Harrelson is uh, like really fun in it. Really great. Wesley Snipes. 
uh, off, uh, awesome film all around. And yeah, I got hope for uh, this upcoming one. Uh, in particular, though, I am, uh, you know, as a someone who loves genuinely, sincerely loves Oz and Lost. Um, <laughs> uh, Lance Reddick's passing was it was very, you know, it sucks. It sucked a oh, lot. He's in it, um, yeah. and he is. He's a, got a heavy role in it. He's a, like one of the the coaches, um, the main character's coach, uh, Kamal Allen. Um, who is played by Sinke Wales, who I haven't seen in anything. So I'm excited for that. Um, he's in uh, Friday Night Lights, which I really enjoy, but later seasons, I, I can't recall him myself. So that'll be fun to see how he does. But uh, he's, yeah, um, Friday Night Lights. So he's very good already at action sports uh, media. So he'll uh, yeah do a darn good job there. Um, and yeah i also personally love tiana taylor uh her music is outstanding she's going to be in it um it, it's got a lot of hope uh and i uh i'm not like a you know i'm not the kind of guy who's like a go-to jack harlow but i have no i have nothing <laughs> against, i have nothing against him I, some of his earlier stuff the production is, is kind of cool jets and made in him used to do a lot and i i like that um but even more so than that um when it comes to music appearance like i said tiana taylor uh She's awesome, but uh, Vince Staples, who I also love, is going to be in it. It's really, it, the film is pretty much going to be like a bunch of hip hop people I love, just <laughs> you know, playing basketball and having fun. Um, and then you know, uh, for more uh, heartfelt reasoning, Lance Reddick, I want to see that for sure. Mm. Um, and just uh, to see how it compares to the original, um, I'm worried it will be more of like for children mm. kind of make that they've done with certain films um mm. in particular disney plus has done that mm. but i don't know jack carlo swears in his music so i think i think it'll mm. be like pg-13 and just you know maybe pg-14 or whatever but uh, i got hope for it i hope it's as good as the original maybe even better so yeah white man can't my bar my bar. bar all right mm-hmm. um i'm gonna do go with franchise and i was i wanted to I don't know. Uh, I didn't want to go with something obvious. Um, and I also kind of didn't want to go with something like I have a lot of expectations for. So something like, say, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse or any of the or the, the Guardians of the Galaxy or any of the comic book movies that are coming out. So I'm going with this. Well, I mean, technically, this is a comic book movie, as it turns out. <laughs> Um, but it is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. If you've seen the trailer, it is very not what you'd expect from a Ninja Turtles animated movie. There has once been before been a, uh, a Ninja Turtles animated movie. It came out in 2007, um, and it was very obviously like, like kind of CGI cartoon. But um, this one has a very different animation style to it. It looks almost hand drawn. It almost looks like street trot, like street chalk. Like they, uh, that was kind of the animation style. Mm-hmm. Uh, very kind of rough, um, but it works. And uh, if you if you go and watch that trailer, it, it features uh, the the tribe called Quest track. Can I kick it? Uh, which is very early '90s vibe. Which is of course like kind of what rooted in. Uh, the turtles, you know, they came out in the late '80s, early '90s, so it, you get that feeling. Also, uh, first time that teenagers have provided the voice of the teenage mutant ninja turtles, and uh, Jackie Chan is the voice of Splinter, 
So that is some great voice casting uh, aside. This is also a Seth Rogen joint, um, which I, I did not do intentionally when making <laughs> my list, but uh, there it is. Uh, it just, I'm, I'm very curious to see it. It doesn't do foot clan stuff. I think it's all about like sort of mutant characters. Um, so you get uh, appearances by, you know, Baxter Stockman and Mondo Gecko and Wingnut and Leatherhead and all the Genghis Frog is in it. I'm just reading the character list. So <laughs> it's, um, I hope it's going to be a fun, uh, fun for the kids, fun for those of us who remember um, uh, TMNT when we were kids and uh, all those weird, wacky, cool figures. And uh, I just like the vibe. I like the vibe of the trailer. So I, I'm I'm very curious to see if this uh, rises to the occasion. So um, that's my franchise pick. All right. So drama. Do you have a drama pick from the summer, Peter? Yes. So for the summer, mm-hmm. My drama pick is Asteroid City. Okay. Surprised one of us didn't pick it. I do know it's technically a sci-fi. <laughs> sci-fi romantic comedy drama. So there will be a little drama in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm very curious. So it's the first time. Uh, and I think it's why a lot of people have been talking about it. Steve Carell has never really uh, done uh, Wes Anderson. So it'll be nice to see. I think he's perfect for it. So it'll be great to see that. Uh, Tom Hanks is is whatever. Um, it's his first <laughs> time too. Um, hopefully, it kind of brings him back to the viewpoint we used to give him uh, back in the day. I'm nervous um, about Tom Hanks being involved because the last time he like throws in with an auteur was like uh, that Coen Brothers movie he was in. Which uh, yeah, I don't even know which one. Which is not that was the uh, uh, it was the remake. It was a remake. I'm gonna look up the title as you talk. Yeah, but I'm just excited for it. Uh, it is set in a really cool era, 1955, uh, focusing on students and parents, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, more social matters, uh, which I enjoy. And in particular, the it is still heavily Wes Anderson, you know, pastel colors, uh, <laughs> less vibrant, less in your face than Grand Budapest Hotel and less switching back and forth from color to black and white than French Dispatch. So it'll be more still beautiful, but more uh calm more more minimal but still really great and that's more my jam and i'm excited for that mm-hmm. uh also um it'll be a, a really heavy jason schwartzman one which is you know something we haven't uh, had in a bit and i'm excited mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. um and i always love yeah some adrian brody uh leaf schreiber william defoe margaret robbie um i know you hate william defoe but i <laughs> so i'm excited for that <laughs> Um, mainly yeah, I just can't stand them. Yeah. Mainly I just like Wes Anderson. I really think this one's got a lot of potential. Uh, I don't really have any clue what it's about, but it'll be a sci-fi, uh, you know, maybe some aliens in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I also, I, uh, it'll be, um, not a wide release, but he's going to be premiering it at Cannes. So it'll be good to get uh, some early reviews before checking it out on the wide release. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Asteroid City was going to be my wild card because it does feel like a wild card. Um, Wes Anderson is kind of in the phase where uh, he he brings you something and you either you either go with it or you don't, and uh, that can be hit or miss. Uh, I, I Lady Killers is by the way the Tom Hanks film, uh, the Coen Brothers film that Tom Hanks was in. Oh, okay, it wasn't. I actually did see it. It wasn't like awful, but no, it, it wasn't, wasn't awful. But it's wasn't not one of the best. 
at all. It's, it's not the one of the best for either Tom Hanks or the Coens. Um, all right. So my wild card, uh, since you took Asteroid City, <laughs> uh, I'm taking this other one. It's called Flamin' Hot. And it is the based on a true story of a janitor at Frito-Lay who came up with the idea for the Flaming Hot Cheetos. And I I just, I don't know what it is. I have the feeling this is a movie we're going to be talking about <laughs> because I feel like I feel like it's in that zone with air air being a movie about like how a brand, how branding was created. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's in that strike zone, but because it's flaming hot Doritos, cause there's this kind of like classism story at the center of it too. Um, you know, it, it, he's not like an executive at the company. He's somebody who's a janitor who comes up with this really great idea. Um, so maybe a bit of a David versus Goliath tale. It's it. Maybe they can lean into the silliness a bit. It is a movie about Cheetos. Um, but I, I'm excited. And uh, the director of the film, uh, of all people, is is Eva Longoria. And I shouldn't say of all people, because if you like the John Wick movies, thank Eva Longoria, because she was an executive producer of the first John Wick movie. So, um, <laughs> I was not aware of that. Yeah. yeah if you watch the credits for john wick one and eva longoria is the executive producer so uh this woman knows good material when she sees it on the page um so flame and hot uh i believe it's going to be direct to streaming i think it is a yeah it's a hulu uh original with searchlight pictures which means like quasi it's going to turn up on disney plus here in canada in june and uh yeah it you know great cast uh, if like really great character actors including jesse garcia dennis haysbert matt walsh tony shalhoub um i'm i'm really intrigued to see what this looks like and and to further engage in this uh dramatic subgenre of uh how the brand was made uh, <laughs> i'm very curious to see what flaming hot looks like so there's also a upcoming pop tart film so I kind of is around the same time and they're competitive. You know what I mean? Cheetos <laughs> versus Pop-Tart. That'd be cool. <laughs> and then you can have like a, a double feature. Yeah. <laughs> and you can have friends over and serve Flaming Hot Cheetos and Pop-Tarts. No, only Kit Kats. <laughs> That's right. Kit Kat only. Uh, okay. So to recap, uh, for Peter's list, for comedy, Barbie, for drama, Asteroid City, for franchise, Fast X, for action, horror, Equalizer 3, for wildcard, White Men Can't Jump, and for my list, comedy, Joyride, drama, Oppenheimer, franchise, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, action, horror, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one, and boy, do we need to shorten these titles in some cases, and then for wildcard, <laughs> Blame and Hot. Which yes, brings us... Yes. I do want to say, uh, yes. Equalizer, since we're doing the summer, it comes out early September, so you could say it's a conclusion to <laughs> the summer. But I want to note, if that doesn't count, my uh, action comedy is Haunted Mansion 2023. All right, Just well, it counts. A couple it counts. Months. Labor Day counts. Labor Day weekend counts. No worries. Yeah, there you go. All right. We're going to take a break here, and we're going to come right back with our review of Quasi, not Quasi. Uh, Quasi, after the break, you're listening to end credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. Don't want to be alone again today. You have the greatest heart I've ever seen. 
Smells of peat and sweet cloth. Whatever, I'll take your word for it. Oh, why so crispy? Huh? <laughs> Hunchback. Hey, you know what your problem is? Is it that I've got a fatty deposit the size of a giant gourd on my back? No, it's that you've given up on humanity. You have given up on love. New shop, you can't give up on something you've never had. Well, I'm no soothsayer, but I think this is the springtime where things turn around for my little buddy. Oh. Morning. Okay, that was a clip from Qua. I was gonna say Quasi again. I swear to God. All right, that was a clip from Quasi, <laughs> which is the new film from Kevin Heffernan and Broken Lizard, and it stars Jay Chandrasekhar, Kevin Heffernan, Steve Lemmy, Paul Soder, Eric Stolhalski, Adrian Palecki, and. Brian Cox is the narrator. I don't know. I don't think there was enough narrator in this movie for my liking. What do you think? Uh, honestly, I totally forgot there was. I think he just <laughs> says like two sentences in the beginning. And then, and then no at the end. Throughout the rest yeah. of the film. And at the end, yeah. So it's a little uh, sandwich of, uh, you know, Brian Cox narration. Yeah. I swear it's just because like he was in, uh, he was heavy in superhero, uh, Super Troopers too. So they might've just had him say a couple, couple other things for maybe, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't surprise me if their next film too, he's got a couple of narration lines, you know? So, so he's an adoptive member of Broken Lizard now and they felt like they had to throw him a bone. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. That's not what I'm saying. That's just a fact. <laughs> All right. So what did you think of Quasi? Well, it's funny because I I love The Broken Lizard. I've I've seen all of their films uh numerous times. Um and like like every one of their films, even their uh, one stand-up collection was which actually surprisingly good. None of them are really I would say should stick to stand-up, but it was it was good. It was good. It was just the kind of stand-up where there was a lot of physical. So just stick with what you're doing. But I love Broken Lizard. Uh I, I was not aware of Quasi. Uh oh now you got me saying Quasi. Thank you. Quasi. <laughs> Quasi. Quasi, I always think of the Brooklyn Nine-Nine app, uh, the Quasi Cupcake. So, right. Quasi. Um, I just, uh, all of a sudden, though, 420, it popped up. I'm like, hey, wait, that's Kevin Teffer. Hey, wait, that's, you know, uh, Jay Trangent's car. You know, that's, that's whoa. That's, you know, the Smolders. Whoa, what's going on here? Um, not the Smolders. Sorry, I was looking at the Slam and Salmon uh, <laughs> casting list. But, just you know, I saw all of them. I was like, oh, my gosh, what is this? Check, Broken Lizard. And, uh, yeah, Quasi. Uh, I also, it's legal now. So I want to note, I do, uh, I, I like 420. 420's fun. And it was, it was the perfect date for it to be released, right? It was a very mm -hmm. uh, pleasant surprise, uh, you know. And it kind of helped remind me that, because I forget sometimes because of how legal and common it is in Canada. It's still True. harsh imprisonment in the States. So I thought it was cool that the Broken Lizard is still doing, you know, a 420 uh, film drop. Um, yeah, I think overall it was it was not a, like amazing film. I think if you're a Broken Lizard fan, it's great. I think it's it had a lot of uh, comedic elements in it. Um, my favorite was the recurring oyster. They just kept saying oyster. I don't know why, but I was laughing hard, you know? <laughs> um and also uh i i myself 
ideal mm-hmm. with minor uh, scoliosis uh, mm-hmm. and kyphosis. I tactically have a hunchback. So it was good seeing someone with a hunchback whooping butt, you know, getting the ladies and just being everyone loving them. So that was that was nice. So if you have a bit of a hunchback of uh, quasi. <laughs> all right good representation yeah Um, i also uh my only kind of major complaint i really only noticed it in some early scenes mm -hmm. uh there's a couple times where you could tell it with more improv and kind of meh Mm -hmm. um kind of so so but for the most part i think it was scripted or if not uh quite good improv so yeah not like a great film but a good comedy if that makes sense uh it does make sense because i i feel like I'm not a, a broken lizard connoisseur by any stretch of imagination. I have su- seen a surprising number of the broken lizard movies, though. Um, I don't know. It felt weak. Uh, it felt like th- this was a half effort. I, I don't know. It. They. You know. You ha- you have in this movie. You do have Brian Cox as the narrator, um, and then you have Adrian Pilecki playing the queen. Like that was kind of it for like outside peeps. Like, yeah, but I was okay with that. It was, it was, it's for broken lizard fans, right? I, well, I, I suppose. Well, what is it? They, uh, I see. What, I, yeah, uh, I, I see what you're saying. You, you think <laughs> they were trying to go for more of a broad audience? In which case, yes, they should have had more. Well, I, don't, I don't know if they were going for a broad audience, but I know that I'm just looked up Super Troopers too, which I do believe we reviewed on this show. We did, uh, yeah. But you know, here's the the cast uh, aside from the five broken lizard guys. Here's who's in Super Troopers too: Brian Cox, Rob Lowe, Emmanuel Cricky, Tyler Labine, Will Sasso, Dax, uh, not Dax Shepard, <laughs> Sean William Scott. I know you're right. You're right. Dan Damon Wayne's Jr., Linda Carter, Paul Walter Hauser, Jim Gaffigan, Fred Savage, Clifton yeah, Collins uh, Jr., Bruce McCullough. <laughs> my the only thing I, argument I do want to say is it's possibly because. Mm-hmm. Unlike Super Troopers 2, mm-hmm. nostalgia is a huge theme. That's not the case in this. So maybe they wanted to stay clear of having a bunch. Because like a lot of the people they had, like Sean William Scott, were playing like, you know, the characters from like late 90s, 2000 slackers films. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. But Beer Fest. I also think the money. They just might not have had <laughs> enough money for this one. You know Fair what enough. I mean? But I just want Beer Fest from, from 2006, along with the Broken Lizard guys. We have Chlor- <sighs> Cloris Leachman, Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Uh, Jurgen Pankow, Nate Foxton, Will Forte, Eric Christian Olsen, Monique, MC Ganey, Willie yeah. Nelson as himself. No, and I literally, I already remember I accidentally mentioned Colby Smolders because she's in Slam and Salmon. And mm-hmm. it was uh, it was released during How I Met Your Mother, so she was really big too. No, you're right, you're right. It's it, probably just a budget thing for this. Yeah, and I think um, that's what hurts because, like, they have these like lovely establishing shots of this castle, and then you go inside the castle, and it looks like a, <laughs> it look it looks like an obvious set. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it maybe that adds to the charm. I don't know, but it just it feels like either they didn't have the money or the ambition exceeded the grasp on this, and uh, I I don't know. It it just if if it is for the fans like you. Yeah, I would say right. it's like only an but, hour and a half. You you should watch it. Yeah, but and like I'm not saying I didn't laugh either. Like there were some good laughs in this. 
But it, it just it in, in terms of the broken lizard oeuvre, if there is such a thing, um, it it definitely feels like a lesser effort for whatever. Oh, absolutely. It's not it's not my favorite either. No. Okay. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me and that I really enjoyed was the relationship between uh Steve Lem's quasi uh and Kevin Heffernan's uh Ducamp Rousseau. They were uh they worked together, they always hung out together, they lived together, they weren't friends. They refused to call each other best friends. <laughs> Everybody else did. But then, and this is a spoiler, but it's not the kind of film where that matters. It, at the end, they admit it. They yeah. admit the besties. And it, it actually, it didn't bring a tear to my eye, but it, I felt something. It was nice. I, their connection throughout the whole film was very well done, I find. And, and that's important in comedy. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I was most disappointed. I thought the um, uh, Eric Stonehawks, I thought the uh, Pope, was kind of lame i it didn't make mm. me laugh at all uh and wasn't very i'm i'm like i don't identify as it but i i was raised catholic and stuff and it wasn't even really any good kind of catholic jabs you know there was mm. nothing kind of really related heavily to what makes it different than the protestant and jabs they could have given in that nature you know like there could have been way more like uh abstinent jokes or he could have been more of like a, a wine alcoholic or something a wino um, there was a lot more, I think, that uh, they could have done with the Pope. Yeah, um, but I, I did think I did think the background kind of uh, theme of of uh, friendship and its destruction uh, regarding King Guy and Pope Cornelius was fun. Um, and, and something totally yeah different happens at the end regarding it. It's good. There's a twist. There's a twist in this film. And it's, it's nice. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's. The thing with the, the um the Pope, um, it felt like they were gonna say something. Sorry, I had a hair on my tongue for some reason. Um <laughs> metaphor for the movie? Question mark? No. Uh the whole thing with the Pope is like they set up this thing at the beginning where he's very clearly about the tithings. Um <laughs> and I thought, okay, they're making a they're trying to make some commentary about, you know the the wealth of the church and how it was essentially all about the gold yeah but they could have done that better too he could have been like you know uh longing for more luxury stuff i don't know right. like because, looking, looking at like something that has gold and just kind of nicking it you know because there's, there's 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 something in the subtext of this and granted you don't talk about the subtext of a broken lizard movie very much but there's something about this where it's like on the one hand you have the king of france on the other hand you have the pope they want quasi to they each want quasi to kill the other for for essentially the same reason it's like they're powerful guys they don't think they're powerful enough because there's this check on their power in the case of the king it's the pope and on the case of the pope it's the king um <laughs> and there's something really interesting about that it's like power isn't like being the king isn't enough for one guy being the pope isn't enough for the other guy they have to cancel each other out for whatever reason and i guess that plays <laughs> into the twist at the end too and then the thing with like quasi and the friend and and duchamp it's like do we you know is it a commentary on sort of like male friendships and and sort of like it, it being a man you don't necessarily want to be seen as being tender to another man so it's like oh we're best friends ah we just we just live in the same hut you know you were look you were I, I was looking for a roommate you were looking for somewhere closer to work and you know no, it, I see it. It, it happened I, to I, work out no no i don't think they were trying to like put a theme i don't think it was trying to be a theme there anything. oh i don't it think was, they were making dude, a theme either. it was no, no it was just two two stubborn guys that didn't want to admit that i, I think it was just <laughs> 
it was just that it was just a joke it was just a stupid uh viewpoint of friendship they both held and it was it was funny yeah i don't think they were trying to get something major across like male camaraderie or, or anything like that i did like i did like how duchamp was like back and forth and it's like the whole thing is that quasi gets this ticket for the to to win a, a special confession with the pope and and quasi's all through the thing like i don't want to buy a ticket i know it's a scam and and duchamp's like here just take this ticket so you have a ticket and we can all take part in this thing and the ticket <laughs> duchamp gives them eventually which is is predictable but um yeah, but that's okay to call. Like, why would you? Do it's this? it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah but and then and the gag in it too, where like a woman wins the confession, like oh, a woman get to confess to the pope, <laughs> like that'll ever happen. Like it's yeah. it's it's funny and ludicrous and uh, it's commentary on the sexism of time. It's all great, but um, I I did like that relationship. I like that back and forth. I like the Michelle mm-hmm. character who is like the um, the tester because. Uh, Quasi and Duchamp work in the torture laboratory, I guess, is is what it is, where they come up with new torture devices. And Michelle is the the tester of the rack. And uh t- like talking about long jokes, like the you know, getting to the punchline, but you know, the joke later on where he's standing very clearly standing behind the bush and it's like it's okay i fit behind this bush and like no you don't and then you realize it's because he's spent so much time on the rack, he's been stretched out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely funny. The torture chamber was was a fun little uh, yeah. sprinkle throughout the whole film. Yeah, uh, never like you know that a heavy part of the plot, but always there. It was it was definitely fun. I yeah. also um, I thought it was cool that they included. Um, I think it was uh, Adrian uh, Palicki, um, mm. who's uh, been working a lot more with them, and I think they've like included her into the Broken Lizard. Um, so that was uh, it was fun to see regarding mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she's fun. Uh, I, I like that she's kind of game for a lot of the zaniness. Uh, I, I I imagine being on the Orville with Scott McFarlane will castle uh, calcify you to just about anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was a lot of fun. Uh, I liked. This is going to sound weird. But I liked how they leaned into like the reveal that Quasimodo and her are cousins. Like he was, he's like a, a royal um, by blood, and that enhances the attraction. <laughs> yeah, it's just for everybody. It just makes it better. Yeah, that was funny. That was a funny comment on medieval times and royalty. Yeah, like that. Not that, even that, medieval times, just royalty. Royalty. And yeah, it's a it's a joke about royalty. Just a, less than a week before we we get the new king too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that's funny. Uh, the whole thing about the torture chamber it's like yeah life was cheap back then uh you know that's that's a, an obvious bit that they lean into as well which i appreciated and yeah like the oysters yeah. like, like there's funny stuff in this that's to- the thing like i know what you're saying it's not on par with a lot of the other broken lizard but like also based on 2023 and what we've gotten thus far like mm. it's way better than murder mystery 2 right it's it's better <laughs> I would say it might. I, I'll got to take a double check, but it's better than like a lot of the other comedies that have uh, come out. At least the comedies directed towards, um, I, I guess, male, male, males. I guess I'm gonna have um, to take your word about murder mystery too. I haven't gotten there yet. It's not awful, but it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's more action dominant. Whereas this is just a straight up comedy, which I like. It's no death on the Nile, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um. You know, because they've been at it for so long, like they they know their stuff. They're really good at, at 
going together. I I wish that um, you know, Jay as the king and um, oh, who was the pope? Paul. Paul was the pope. I wish that they had a little bit more of a chance to go with it, go at each other. Because it was it was funny when they did. It was yeah, actually like, really funny when they did. Yeah, like they really cracked. Like that was when I I think a lot of that stuff was improved, and you you can you can sort of feel it. They were like in the zone doing that stuff, uh, doing those scenes together, and I yeah. I I feel like that's. That's a lot of the sauce that was missing, um, just in terms of, I guess the overall. I mean, it 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 is again. If if it's a if, you know if it's like you're a broken lizard fan, you just want to see these guys together. Great. Um, mm. If you want to sit down for an hour and a half and have a few chuckles, great. It does that. It just. It, I I feel like either because of the money thing or because they you know they hadn't done something in a while they just slapped this together and it feels yeah, it has this yeah. kind of slap together feel and i wish i like i i, th- I feel like something like this because i think it so much of it is kind of in the shadow of monty python and the holy grail or even princess bride i think if there was like a musical number or something this kind of really ginned it up because it it does feel at a certain point they kind of lose lose the speed of, of it as well i i just um I, I feel like there's maybe more missed opportunities here than it's like what we were saying with the with, with the Pope. There was a lot more uh like medieval jokes that they could have made. Medieval, religious, yeah, royal. Um yeah, there definitely could have been a lot of other, I guess, history jokes mixed in. I don't think there I, I was okay there wasn't any sinning. I, I, <laughs> I have no problem with sinning as part of comedy, but like they've never in any of their films, and I feel like there's probably fair enough. Fair enough. I I just feel I feel like I feel like there, it was kind of written in. It's like this is kind of the point where a song would break out. Well, um, just because when it's said as well, of course you're. Yeah. You want that. Yeah. yeah. Also, I just uh, wanted to note. I, I find it funny because um, the budget's all from them, right? And I literally mm. just because of Tacoma FD, their TV show. With uh, anybody listening, if you're a Broken Lizard fan, I'd recommend the TV show Tacoma FD. It's it's a Broken Lizard show, and it's awesome. It's really great. What's uh, the best? What's the best Broken Lizard movie? The right. best Broken Lizard movie. My favorite yeah. is Slam and Salmon. Underrated. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, all right. Well, that's quasi, not quasi. Wait, did I get that backwards? It's quasi. Yes. Quasi. Quasi. I mean, you spell it into the <laughs> into the into the machine just the same. Anyway, quasi. That's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to us at our website, endcreditsradioshow.com. And that's where you can download all episodes of the show. You can get them from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you're on Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear in end credits. Just open up Spotify and search for end credits on CFRU. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Peter, where can people find you out there on the internet? Mr. Tarak on YouTube and Twitter, and my name, Peter Wesley Salmon, on Letterbox. Oh, yeah, he and has a Letterbox. I know, I added a third one, first time. <laughs> so you got some new uh, Peter Salmon to check out. All right, and you could uh, find me again here on CFRU tomorrow at 5 p.m. for News and Politics and Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. And then I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my News and Politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And it feels like a good point here to just say, hey, we're counting down now to episode 300 of the show. That's going to be coming up in six more episodes, so stay tuned for that and stay tuned for more great programming coming up here on cfru 93.3 fm cfru.ca 
Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits, and we will see you then. Thank you.